Good evening, everyone. 恭喜发财，恭喜发财。It's wonderful. You turn to your neighbor and welcome them back and wish them a gong hei fa choi, or gong si fa chai. And、uh, if you are not from Malaysia and you're not of the Chinese culture and descendants, I'd like Sarah to just keep on playing, while the worship team can be.、Uh, you can take a rest for a moment. Have you had a blessed Chinese New Year? You know, it's in our custom in my family. You know, during Chinese New Year time, to wish each other good greetings. Yeah, things like uh, that. Uh, we wish my 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 father and my parents you know to have good health. San Tai Kin Hong, that you will have good health. That、uh, they will have some song si sing. That in the in the year that is to come, that God will grant you the desires of your heart. And so, on behalf of Pastor Vincent and the pastoral team, we would like to wish each and every one of you a Gong Hei Fa Choi, which means this will be a year of prosperity, amen, and of joy and of blessing that will come into your inheritance, amen. Praise God! Did any of our international students get to celebrate Chinese New Year? Did you get a Chinese celebrate Chinese New Year? Oh, you did not. You will get a chance next week. When you come for sale, okay? Then we're gonna have a celebration because Chinese New Year,、uh, the Chinese celebrate Chinese New Year. How many days? Fifteen days. So today is the ninth day of Chinese New Year. How many of you have been happily receiving angpaos? Eh, no hands. Ah, yes, I see some hands. I have been happily giving out angpao. It's such a joy to be given. You know, in the Chinese culture, red has a significance. Uh, so you find that many、uh, of the Chinese who celebrate Chinese New Year would wear the color red, and that's because red represents joy and celebration and、uh, good luck. They say. I understand that as we were giving out the Chinese New Year angpaos, some of our glad tidings folks preferred red than the gold angpao. Huh? Is that right? <laughs> right, because in the Chinese culture, it's it's deemed that. When you wear red, so today I wear I wore red. You know, I'm still celebrating Chinese New Year. That the red signifies good luck. That there will be good things to come. And so when you enter into a home, when there's a, a new house that you move into, there will be a red cloth. Chinese culture will put up a, a, a red cloth at the doorway, again symbolizing that good good、uh, good luck and good things will come their way. But for the believers, for the Christians. Red has a much greater significance because red represents the blood of Christ. And even as we sang today the song "Jesus Messiah," there's the verse two, you know, that talks about the body that was broken and His blood that was shed for you and I. Today we are going to partake of communion, and it is written in the scriptures in First Corinthians chapter eleven. Can I have my PowerPoint slide up? That. Verse twenty-five, that in the same way after the supper he took the cup. Before this, he told his disciples in the last supper and said that, "Take this bread, take it in remembrance of my body that is broken for you." That as we partake of communion, the symbolism, the importance of it is that we remember Christ. We remember His body that was broken, His body that was beaten, His body that was given for you and I at the cross. And He goes on to say this in the same way. After the supper, He took the cup, and the cup was filled with wine. And this cup, He says, is the new covenant in My blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of Me. And this is what. Pastor Vincent and Pastor Linda and those who lead communion would say and remind us as we are taking of communion, what is it? What is it? What is the significance of it? Why do we take of that bread? It is to remember His body, given for you and I. His body that was broken, His body that was pierced, His body that was beaten, given for you and I, so that we may be redeemed. And may be able to come into the presence of the Almighty God, and then he, he that blood, that cup, that signifies a new covenant. What is a new covenant? A new covenant 
replaces the old covenant. So in order to come into the new covenant, in order to come into the new things that Christ of us has for us, in order to come into the new thing, the new covenant, new promise that He is giving us, He says this, it is in my blood. In my blood. The blood of Jesus has been shed for you and I. And today I'd like to share a little bit more about the blood. The blood of Jesus. You know, the blood is not a new theme in the Bible. Right across from Genesis all the way to Revelation, you will find the theme blood being spoken often. And blood in the Old Testament was used as a form of sacrifice. Blood was required in the Old Testament to be a sacrifice so that there will be what they call an atonement of sin. So you and I have sin in our lives and because of sin, we are separated from God. Because of sin, we are unable to come near to God and therefore God made a way because of His love for you and me. He made that way. He said, I'll make a way for you. So in the Old Testament days, under the Mosaic law, under the Old Covenant, He said that there would be, God gave that way and said that you will have to sacrifice an animal's blood in order for you to have atonement for your sin. The sacrifice of blood did not begin just at the time of Moses, but even all the way to the Garden of Eden. God required animal sacrifices, the giving of blood to provide a temporary covering of sin and to foreshadow. That means to do, do in the meantime. It's a temporary measure. This is an enablement, a provision by the grace of God in the Old Testament that, that, you will, that He will make a way so that you can, you, those who are in the Old Testament will be able to come into His presence and have forgiveness of their sin. And so, the sacrifice of blood was to cover temporarily the sins of man and to foreshadow the perfect and complete sacrifice of Jesus. And if animal sacrifice is found throughout, because Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 says this, that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness unless there is a blood sacrifice given for the atonement, given for the, given for the sins of men given as a sacrifice unto mankind because of the sin that's upon us, then there can be no forgiveness. So at the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, animals were killed by God to provide clothing for them. So the word blood is not, uh, is not described, but in the cutting of the animal, in the providing of clothing for Adam and Eve, there had to be a sacrifice of blood. We find that in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. When Cain and Abel brought their sacrifices to the Lord, which sacrifice was more acceptable? Which one? Abel or Cain? Can I hear you? Abel's one more is more, was more acceptable before the Lord. Cain brought fruit, whereas Abel brought the firstborn of his flock. That's in Genesis chapter 4, verse 4 to 5. And so you see, right even on the onset of creation, the blood was required for the atonement of sin. After the flood, when Noah came out of the ark, what was the first thing that he did unto the Lord? He sacrificed animals. Genesis chapter 8, verse 20 to 21. And you find in Leviticus, God providing different measures, commanding the nation of Israel to perform sacrifices according to procedures that He prescribed. The animal had to be perfect, without blemish. It had to be sacrificed. And all this was required in order for sin to be forgiven. In the atonement, the Day of Atonement, described in Leviticus 16, it talks about the forgiveness and the removal of sin. And so the high priest was needed to bring goats for a sin offering. One goat 
sacrificed so that the people will be, will be forgiven of their sin and another goat will be released into the wilderness and that would represent the removal of sin. But thanks be to God, today you and I no longer need to slaughter animals. We don't have to find a goat that has no blemish, no spot on it, or a ram, or a... Or a you find uh, even in the Chinese culture that there are sacrifices that are being made. Why? Because they are asking their God to forgive them of their sins. So there will be a sacrifice of chicken. Yeah? It's in the same context. But we thank the Lord that today you and I no longer need to sacrifice animals because the Lamb of God has taken our place. Amen? Because Jesus died on the cross for you and I. God made the way for the ultimate sacrifice to be made. And so no more animal sacrifices. It ended when Jesus went on the cross because He, be, he is that perfect sacrifice. And John the Baptist recognized this because when he saw Jesus coming to be baptized, he declared, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John chapter 1, verse 29. Why the need to sacrifice animals, you may ask? Because the animal becomes a substitute for the person who is offering, who is bringing that offering. So when you slaughter an animal, you bring it unto the Lord, that animal substitutes you. That animal substitutes that person bringing the offering. That their sin will be forgiven. But today, we no longer need to slaughter or kill any more animals because by professing and confessing that Jesus Christ is the Lord, He becomes the Lamb that took sin upon Himself. He became, He who of no sin became sin, so that you and I can have righteousness. Amen? Praise God, how powerful it is for that blood to be shed for you and I. That today we may we receive, and that blood still has power even till today and has a lot of effect in our Christian life and how we are to live victoriously as overcomers, even as Christ took our place on the cross and He paid the price for our sin. You know, to understand and to really appreciate what Jesus has done, I think it's important for us to go back even to the Passover time in the Old Testament. So the Passover in the Old Testament Scripture is the very focal point of understanding why there is power in the blood. Why there is power of the blood that is being uh, shed, for, for on the, uh, shed and given for the atonement of sin. You find in Exodus chapter 12, verse 1 to 16, that the people of Israel were, uh, that, uh, that, uh, that during this time of the Passover, there was a requirement that it says here in Exodus chapter 12, verse 13 to 14. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. So God was going to give a plague where He would remove the firstborn from every family. And this removal of the firstborn, this plague that was to be sent, is not a punishment, but really an act of redemption. Because He wanted to redeem the Israels out of the captivity of the Egyptians. And so He sent forth this plague. But to the Israelites, He told them, what you need to do is you need to take a lamb and you need to slaughter that lamb. And as you place the blood of the lamb over your doorpost, the death will pass over you and you will be spared. And it's to be a reminder to all the generations. So year upon year, Passover will be celebrated in the Old Testament. It's celebrated in remembrance of God's goodness, in remembrance of the provision of God because Passover uh, signifies deliverance, protection, and a future that God will provide. So year upon year, the Jews will celebrate Passover in remembrance of what God has done. But today, 
We no longer need to celebrate Passover because Jesus paid the price once and for all. We don't have to slaughter an animal and put blood on the doorposts for the death to bypass us because Jesus becomes our protection. The blood of Jesus becomes our deliverance. The blood of Jesus makes a way for our complete and eternal atonement of sin. How powerful is the blood of the Lamb. Amen? Praise God. Just want to draw some uh, uh, referencing on how the Passover leads us into the significance and the revealing of Christ. So the Passover events foreshadow what Jesus is to do at Calvary. It leads the way, it paves the way for us. And what is to be repeated on a year-to-year basis no longer has to be because Jesus completes it once and for all. And so they were required, the Israelites, to bring a lamb. The Israel had to take a lamb in Exodus chapter 12, verse 3. But today, Jesus is the lamb, the lamb of sacrifice, John 1.29. It was said that the lamb had to be perfect and to be without defect. And only Jesus can be sinlessly perfect. First Peter chapter 2, verse 22, he committed no sin and no deceit was from his mouth. And Isaiah 53, verse 9, goes on to also proclaim that he is sinless and perfect and only one, the only one who qualifies to pay the price of atonement for eternity. So Jesus is that lamb. The Israelites had to put blood on the door frames. So God gave them that instruction in verse, uh, Exodus verse 12, chapter 12, verse 7. They asked, you are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the top of the door frames of the houses where, where, where you are to enter in. And Jesus shed His blood at Calvary. On the cross, Romans 3.25, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He paid that price. He shed his blood. He gave his all for you and I. There is power in the blood of Jesus. The Israelites will be spared from death while under the blood. So as they walked into the doorpost, under the place where they put the blood, they will be protected from death. Jesus' blood covers all our sin so that we shall not be condemned. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, that as we plead the blood of the Lamb, in Him we have redemption through His blood. So as we come into that personal relationship with Jesus, professing that He is the Lord of our lives, confessing it with our mouths and believing it in our hearts, then we become believers, then we become children of God and His blood covers us over all the sin. And it doesn't matter how terrible, how awful, how shameful that sin is, Jesus' blood covers all the sin of mankind. Amen? Praise God. Come on, let's give God the glory for His goodness for His grace, for the demonstration of His love. Because you and I don't deserve it. Nothing that you and I have done earns the love of God or demands the grace of God or enables the forgiveness of God. It is only by the blood of Jesus that He made a way. He made the way for eternity. He made a way so that we can enter in into the presence of God into heaven, into that relationship with our heavenly Father. Jesus paid that price. How amazing is the hand of God that delivers, is the hand of God that enables us so that we will not be lost and forsaken. How beautiful is the Word of God that declares that you will never leave us nor forsake us, but God continues to be with us each and every day. So when we take of communion, it's a celebration. It's a celebration of remembering what God has done for you and I. Sometimes, I think we, some of us have been Christians for a number of years. Perhaps some of you younger in your faith. And for those of you who are younger in your faith, 
This will allow you to have a deeper appreciation of the communion that we take. For those of us who have walked longer in our faith, may this be a day where we remember, that we recollect, that we reflect on what God has done for you and me. Even as I stand here and I, and I share with you about the greatness of God's redemption plan, about how amazing His love is, I reflected and I remembered what God has done for me. I don't deserve in any way to stand at this pulpit or even to be called a pastor because my background and my history is one of a complete change and transformation uh, from where I am today. So some of you will know my, have heard of my testimony, of what, uh, how I came from a background of Taoism. And so I was, uh, I grew up a Taoist. So my family frequented going to, to temples. Uh, even if we were sick, we didn't go to doctors. We went to temples and we sought mediums. And the mediums would prescribe charms that we would burn, put in water, and we would drink those charms. I remember that, remember that growing up, whatever that was, a, that was a situation or a circumstance, we would go to a temple and we would pray and seek a medium and consult a medium for, for advice. And we went through many, many rituals, even to the ritual, even rituals like crawling under the altar of the idols in order to be blessed. And as I reflect back while preparing this sermon, it really brought back a host of memories of how undeserving I am to be called a child of God. And as we partake communion, we need to remember, where has God brought you from? As we start this new year, 2017, it is a good time for us to remember and to reflect and not to lose sight or forget the greatness and demonstration of His love that was given for you and I. It is not to be taken for granted. So as I remembered and I reflected, I went through three different mediums, three different masters in training to become a medium. So a medium is one of those, uh, uh, you, you are an intermediary for a spirit to come into your body. Yeah, for those of you who are from overseas, you may not know the term medium. But uh, I think if there are those in your country that does witchcraft, so they go into a trance. So I was becoming training to become one of those. So in Malaysia, under the Taoist culture, it's called being a medium. So I was to be an intermediary for the spirits. So I went through one, two, three different masters. One man, two men, and one lady. And the third master was uh, in the temple in Klang. And I remember going through this ceremony. There was a declaration to the heavens to say that this, this child, this person, this girl belonged to that idol. It was a big, big occasion. I still remember it to this day. And so if you were to think of it, I really don't deserve to come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I really don't deserve even to be serving in the house of the Lord. When I read the Ten Commandments for the first time, I cried. I cried. What is the first commandment? You shall have no other gods. You will worship no other gods. You will serve no other gods. I worship and serve so many other gods. I remember the time when I went through deliverance. Pastor Kwan Ming brought me through the prayer of deliverance. So when I became a Christian, I accepted Christ. And even in the way that I accepted Christ was, was such a powerful encounter. So it was very unfortunate that the third master tried to take advantage of me. And this happened in front of the altar. And I remember when it happened, I said, this cannot be truly God. It cannot be a godly thing. What have I been praying to all these years? While it was a very unfortunate thing to happen to me, but yet it was also a turning point in my life because it was a waking up that all that I had prayed to before was false. So I left the temple, I left the, those practices, 
I never went back again. I said, no more. I went home to my parents. I said, no more. We're not going to step foot in the temples anymore because of what just almost happened to me. I am spared somehow. But today I know it is the grace of God that spared me that day from being harmed. I was protected by an unseen God who I yet to profess. So a year went by. I went through one year of not going to temples, not seeking mediums, and I felt so terribly lost because in my heart was a desire. I always knew that there was a God, but I didn't know about Jesus. No one shared to me about Jesus. So I longed to have this, this relationship with God. And today, I know it's called relationship. Uh. Then I didn't know what it's called. I only know that I want to do something with God. Uh. You know, I want to have God in my life. So today, I understand it's relationship. So it was relationship that I desired to have with God. When I went overseas to study, so I was, I was uh, uh, fortunate enough at that time to be given the opportunity to go overseas to study. And even when I journeyed overseas to study, I would bring joysticks with me because it was the only way that I knew how to worship God, small g. I didn't know about Jesus. No one told me about Jesus. I never knew about a God who paid for my sin till the appointed time when Jesus gave me an encounter that I would never forget. So during the time of one year when I didn't go to temples or sought sick mediums, my mom became a Christian. So my mom got transformed miraculously and marvelously. She was not the same woman again. So how many of you know your mother? Very hard to change one, right? It's really hard to change your mom, right? Really hard. But my mom changed and it was a beautiful transformation from inside out. We sang that song just now, from the inside out came a transformation right before my eyes. My mom didn't know how to share with me about Jesus, but I knew that something had happened in her life because there was a change. In the manner that she talked, in her countenance, in the way that she carried herself, she became more gentle. She became more loving. And so there was just something about that encounter that she had with Jesus and becoming a Christian that drew me nearer. It was her life. Her life became a testimony to me. And then I said, Mom, you know, we've tried going to, I've tried going to so many temples and prayed to so many gods. I think one day I'll follow you to, to cell group. So my mom was then attending FGA and she was with a cell group. And the day came, that appointed day came. The day that the Lord gave me revelation and understanding of who He was, who He is, and what He's going to do in my life. I, came, I went to cell group. So if you're not yet in the cell group, it's a good place to be because there great things happen as we gather in a fellowship of believers. So I went to cell group and in worship, so they were older folks. So then my mom was in the 50s, so I was only in my 20s. And all these older people, they couldn't sing in tune, not like our worship team, okay? They were singing very out of tune. But when I closed my eyes, something happened. In the midst of worship, as I closed my eyes, I saw the image of Jesus. Until today, I don't know why I know it's Jesus. I think it's because spirit will attach to spirit. So when I saw Jesus in my heart, immediately I said, I knew this is the Son of God and everything else, everything else that I prayed to. And there were many idols that I prayed to because when I went to a deliverance, the names of the idols that I had to renounce was about two pages long. Throughout the years of growing up in the Taoist culture and background, religious practice, I was dedicated over and over again to many different idols. And to each of that, we renounced and we cut. Two pages was how long. But that very day when I went to that cell group, during the midst of worship, I had an encounter. So Jesus appeared before me. And when I saw Jesus, I knew in my heart, this is the Son of God. This is the Son of God. This is light. And everything else I had prayed to before is darkness. Then I saw Jesus clothe me in a white robe. In a white robe. And as I was clothed in a white robe, then I knelt down before Him. And then came a lot of water from above. Buckets like a, like a waterfall that was just washing me. And then the Word came 
In my heart, all this was just in a vision. It was in a vision that was very real to me. God said to me, today you are made new and you are made clean. That night, I gave my life to Jesus and there was no turning back. Hallelujah! There was no turning back. Only the blood of Christ could have redeemed me. When I look back, all that I had gone through, nothing, not one thing deserved the forgiveness of what I had done. Praying to other gods, worshipping idols, practice of witchcraft, because learning to become a medium is a practice of witchcraft. And so my destiny was really to have a destiny of death. But Jesus came. He saved me. He turned me around. And He purchased me by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? Hallelujah. The blood. There is power in the blood. And only the blood of Jesus will suffice. Why? Because His blood is perfect. Can I have the next slide, please? His blood is perfect. Why the blood of Jesus had to be shed on the cross? Why the blood of Jesus had to be the redemption price to be paid? Because only His blood is perfect. Even as we see in Passover, that lamb that was to be sacrificed had to be without blemish or defect. Only Jesus is perfect because He is not born of man, but born of the Spirit. So everything about Jesus is perfect, including His blood. A natural father would have imparted a sin nature because when we are born of a natural human being, we are born with sin. We are fallen beings. But Jesus was not born of man. He was not born of a natural father. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. And so there are no impurities even in the blood of Christ. Everything about Christ is perfect, including His blood. And His blood is pure. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 to 19, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. And because His blood is pure, therefore it is also purifying into the lives of those who embrace Him and the price of which He paid. His blood is perpetual. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 20 talks about a blood of everlasting covenant. One time and He paid it all. That was all that was required. The animal sacrifices of the Old Testament were continuous year after year. Year upon year, the blood of bulls, of goats, of animals, all kinds were provided for forgiveness and pardon. It needed to be done and it had to be done regularly on an annual basis so that there could be temporary pardon only for a short while. But it came to a point the sacrifice of Christ and His blood being shed for the covering of sin. Our faith in His blood is all it takes. He settled it once and for all. Friends, there is power in the blood of Jesus. And what is this power that you and I can inherit even as the blood of Christ has been shed for us? Firstly, His blood, His power has the power to redeem. Two portions of scripture that I'll be using, that I'm using in this, uh, in this message. One is from Exodus chapter 12, and the next is from Hebrews chapter 9, verses 12 to 19. So the book of Hebrews, many authors say, is written by Paul, though it's not specifically indicated in the book of Hebrews that is written by Paul. But in the manner in which it's written, and scholars that have studied indicate that possibly, most, possibly, most likely, the author of Hebrews is Paul. And, the, and as he wrote this book, and as they studied the book of Hebrews, it's identified that Hebrews is written to five different categories of people. So you have those who are the Jews, those are, who are Hellenistic, it means they are, they, are, they are religious people, Jews are religious, Hellenistic are people who don't believe in God, they are those who are persecuted, 
and those that are almost coming to a point of turning from their faith because of suffering. Hebrews was written for this group of people. So I think it applies to all of us today. Perhaps some of us here are more knowledgeable in religious practices, or some of us here may, uh, may be at a point where you don't believe God exists, or you're at a point of discouragement where you're turning away from your faith, or even immature, young in your faith. Hebrews writes to address this crowd of people, and it applies to all of us today. In the book of Hebrews, it talks about how he did not enter, verse 12, by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. His blood has the power to redeem every person, every person regardless of background, race, culture. It is for all and he can redeem us from sin because he played it by his own blood. And it offers us not a one-time redemption, but an eternal redemption for as long as we can profess that He is our Lord and Saviour and we walk that life of salvation, recognising that He's Lord of our lives, there is an eternal redemption, an eternity in place for us when we go back to heaven at the end of these days. An eternity, eternal redemption. Only His blood has the power to redeem. His blood has the power to transform. In verse 14, it goes, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God. The blood of Christ has the power to change and transform. Look at the life of Paul. He was a persecutor. He went against Christians. But at the very encounter with Jesus, his life was changed and transformed, never to be the same again. Look at the criminal that was hung on the cross next to, next to Jesus, who was doomed for an eternity in hell. But when he embraced the blood of Christ and he embraced his relationship with Jesus, he went into paradise for an eternity. His blood has the power to transform every situation, every circumstance. That power and the blood is at work even till today. His blood has the power to give life. Verse 15, For this reason, Christ is the mediator of the new covenant. The new covenant that replaces the old a new covenant that comes by grace, that gives life and talks of the greater glory of God. Those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that He has died as a ransom because He paid that price, because He paid that price for eternity, with His death, we are set free. We are able to receive of the abundant life that God has intended for us. John 10.10 10 says this, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Who is this thief? Who is the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy? Satan. Your enemy is not your boss. Your enemy is not your opponent. Your enemy is not your colleague. Your enemy is not the person who is talking bad about you. Your enemy is Satan, who is a thief who has no new tactics but to come to steal, kill and destroy all that you have. When you come into that, that, that relationship with Christ, the enemy has already identified you and it's begun to work even to steal, kill and destroy. Come in the way. We need to recognize that there is an enemy. There is a roaring lion, lion that is prowling, roaring lion that is prowling to seeking whom he can devour. Are we living our lives recognizing that there is this thief? But Jesus said that I have come to give life and life abundantly. That as we have the blood of Christ covering us, that as we receive of what Jesus has done on Calvary for us, we can walk with confidence. We can walk with victory. We can walk in victory and we can walk proclaiming the life, that abundant life that He has in store for us. His blood has the power to deliver and to set free. 
Verse 22, in fact, the law requires, the law being the old covenant. In the Old Testament ways, it requires for nearly everything to be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And because Jesus shed His blood, because Jesus became the blood of the Lamb, therefore today we can receive that power to deliver and to set free. When we look at the Passover, there was a yoke of slavery upon the, Egyptian, upon the Israelites by Pharaoh. So there was a stronghold and a yoke of bondage upon their lives. But when they put the blood of the Lamb upon the doorposts, it became a miracle overnight, a proclamation that they would be delivered. And God delivered them and set them free. In the same way today, as we have the blood of the Lamb over our lives, we can walk in freedom. We can live in freedom. God is able to deliver us from every situation, no matter how difficult, no matter how challenging, no matter how impossible, because He is a God of all possibilities. Hallelujah! Every time you and I come to the Lord's table, we are celebrating Jesus Christ. We are celebrating the Lamb of God. The very same thing that the, lab, the Passover lamb provided, that is deliverance and that we may be set free from every stronghold, every clutch, every circumstances. Satan has no hold on us because we are covered by the blood of the lamb. Amen? Praise God. And His blood has the power to heal and to protect just as the people were destined to die once and then face judgment, Christ was sacrificed once so to take away the sins of many that He will appear a second time. Jesus is coming back and He is coming back very soon. Not to bear sin but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for Him. So as we journey, as we continue to walk out our faith, as we continue to acknowledge the power of the blood that is upon our lives, we need to recognize this, that He has the power to heal and to protect us from all circumstances. Whether it be an emotional healing, a physical healing, or a spiritual healing that is required, the blood of the Lamb can set us free. The blood of the Lamb is able to do all things. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5 declares this so clearly. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him. And by His wounds we are healed. There is power in His blood to bring healing. Whether it be an attack of Satan or an illness perhaps that affected our bodies or a word that has brought discouragement. The blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus can heal us and protect us. Today, I'd like to encourage you, even as we get prepared to take communion, can I have the worship team on stage? Even as we prepare to take communion and as Jesus said in the Last Supper, that when you take of this bread, and you drink of this cup, do it in remembrance of me. There is power in His blood. And His blood continues to have power today. His blood is sufficient for all. And His blood continues to be at work. I'd like to encourage you and challenge you to consider this. How then can you experience the power of His blood in your daily life? Yes, His blood was shed 2,000 years ago in, in Calvary, but today it is still at work in our lives. Today, we still can inherit that power on a daily basis. But what is it that you and I can do in order to walk in that power and to receive of the freedom, that transformation, the redemption, the protection, the deliverance, even the healing of the Lord? What do we need to do? Here are three very simple, simple and relevant, practical ways that we need to live our lives so that the power of the blood can be at work. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, 
since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Because of the blood of Jesus, the veil was torn and therefore you and I can walk into the most holy of holies. We can enter into His presence. We can come into confidently the presence of a Creator. By a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is His body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we confess, for He who promised is faithful. There is power in the blood of Christ. And it allows us to come into the presence of God. Are we drawing nearer to God each day? Year upon year, as you journey as a believer, have you drawn further away from God or are you drawing closer? Hebrews encourages us, draw near to God with a sincere heart, remembering what He has done for us because He made that way for us to enter the most holy place. So to have and experience the power of His blood, draw near to God. Take time to be in His presence. Dwell in His presence. We are always these days, always in a hurry. Such a hurry. Rushing from one place to another. It is time for you to hold still, draw back, and come into His presence. And with a sincere heart, begin to tap and relate and talk to God. Come into His presence. Come with the sincerity of your heart and you will see a power released into your life to turn every circumstance around. Revelations 12, 11 says, They triumphed over Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. How did they triumph over Him? Him meaning the devil. How do you triumph the devil? It is by the blood of the... and the word of your testimony. So we need to learn how to plead the blood of the Lamb over our lives. There is power in His blood and He can break strongholds, break chains, even break the attack of the enemy. And I had a personal experience by the pleading of the blood of the Lamb over my life last year. And that's one of the reasons why this message really is, is convicting in my heart. Last year was an incredibly challenging year for my family and I. And I didn't expect it. Didn't expect the onslaught of the enemy. Yes, I have experienced the attack of the enemy, but perhaps sometimes it was more subtle. It was more. Um, it wasn't so harsh. But last year, I expect. I, I just experienced the attack of the enemy in such a harshness and such a strength. I never expected it. But I remember what kept me safe and what kept me protected through the year. There was a time where I was meeting with our zone leaders for a, just a, a gathering, a time of prayer and planning. And while we were praying, God said to me specifically, said, pray for your families. Pray for your families. And so I was wondering, you know, how come, so why, why the need to specifically pray for our families? Because we were actually praying for our zone, our cell groups, and just coming together to seek God for direction. But God said to me so very clearly, pray for your families. So I, I released that word, just obeying God and say, I think uh, I just sense the Lord wanting us to pray for our families. Let's just take time to pray our families. So we begin to pray in the Spirit for a short while. And then one of our zone leaders prayed a prophetic prayer. And it was clearly stated in his prayer, clearly mentioned, so obvious, he said this, Say, Father, I pray and I plead the blood of the Lamb over every family. I come against the work of the enemy. I thank you, Lord, that you will protect them and you will deliver them from all evil. And so he pleaded the blood of the Lamb over our families. At that specific time, when he prayed that prayer, there was a situation going on 
in my husband's life. Very unexpected. A turnaround that we didn't, we, we really were not prepared for. But as that prayer and the pleading of the blood of the Lamb was released, we then begin to see the deliverance of God very quickly, very swiftly, and we were kept safe. Through the year, there were many different encounters from my daughter's school situation where she was being unfairly treated by a teacher. And then further down the, the year, sickness in the family and situations, circumstances that were beyond our understanding and expectation. But it was that prayer, the pleading of the blood of the Lamb. As the blood of the Lamb was pleaded over our families, I know God kept us safe and He delivered us to every one of those situations. Amen? Come on, let's give God the glory. He delivered us. I saw it with my very own eyes. When there was no way, God made that way. What seemed to be so difficult, God made it possible. It was through the pleading of the blood of the Lamb. What is pleading the blood of the Lamb? It basically means this, that you apply the blood to our life and circumstances, like how the Israelites applied to the doorposts and they were protected from the destroyer. Pleading the blood of the Lamb is taking hold of the authority and the power available to us by the death and resurrection of Christ. So it's pleading and say, Lord, I cover the blood of the Lamb over my family, over my situation. There is power in the blood of Jesus. Finally, to experience the fullness of His power in our lives, Revelation 12 talks about overcoming by the word of your testimony. Each one of us have a story to tell. You have a testimony to give. You have a testimony to share. You have a situation, regardless whether small or big, whether it's impressive or perhaps to someone it may not be uh, that great uh, a breakthrough, but to you, it is a breakthrough. To you, it is a testimony. To you, it is something that God has done. To you, it's significant. That is your testimony. And you will overcome by that word of your testimony and the blood of the Lamb. Amen. God has called you to be an overcomer in this year as the onset of 2017. Who knows what God has in store for you this year? After all that I've gone through last year, I don't think that it can get any more challenging. But who is to tell? But I thank God that there is power in His blood. Amen? And there is power in His blood as we share of that testimony. As we go forth as overcomers, God has already planned it ahead for you that you will be victorious. Amen? You'll be victorious in all that you do. You'll be ahead and not the tail. God has blessed you and that blessing is for your inheritance. So let us continue every day to walk in the presence of the God, of the Lord and to experience the power of His blood. Amen. This evening, let's invite Pastor Linda, even as we take of communion, to remember that body broken for us and His blood that has been poured out as sacrifice. Pastor Linda.